Like when Plough opened, it's like, it's just like something you'd find in London or this is, you know, like you'll walk down Winkley Street and say, oh, it feels just like you're in, I don't know, like a little lane in Brighton or, you know, for instance, you could say anything, but people are always daydreaming that they're somewhere else, but it'd be nice for people to just be like, oh, Preston's really cool. You're listening to P-Town, the podcast exploring the lives of those who live, work and play in our proud city of Preston. Uh, sorry, into uh, <laughs> interior design. Um, so yeah, uh, interior design. Well, I, I studied interior design. So um, it, I did a degree at UCLAM. Um, but I think my interest in interior design started probably from being a kid. I, I've always been a little bit obsessed with the way things look as aesthetically. But, yeah. Um, always having a bit of an obsession with wanting to see in houses always as a kid wanting to see inside a house. I used to, when we got our first computer, I remember I used to go online and just look at like big mansions for sale in like America and just look at, I just wanted to see inside people's houses. It's weird, isn't it? Um, and then I, I think that, that grew and I've just always, I don't know, been really interested in buildings and what's inside them and how they look. Were you ever tempted to do architecture then or was it more the aesthetic than the... So... The, I guess one of the big influences in what I'm doing is that um, my husband started an architecture degree um, back in 2011, and then I kind of followed suit. We had a young, we had our son, and he was about one when my husband started his degree. And I thought, right, I need to, you know, he got to about two years old, and I thought I need to get myself a career. And I didn't know what to do, and I thought I need to get some education and and um, it kind of felt natural to do something that was kind of involved with architecture because I was so interested in his degree and what he was doing. Mm. Um, but I thought I'm not clever enough to be an architect. So um, I thought, oh, you know, interior design, that sounds good. Um, and yeah, that's how it started really. Just wanting to better myself and get a career, probably mm. inspired a lot by being a parent. <laughs> yeah. I think if you wait a bit, because the, there's two kind of philosophies is that if you know what you want all the time, well, from the beginning and you go to uni, everything like that, it's a, it's a good path to be on, but there's something to be said to wait until you're a little bit older and kind of can appreciate that you, you're investing this time and it's for something and, and you've kind of got a little bit of time to get your head around exactly what you like and, and stuff like that. Definitely. And I think, you know, you take it a lot more seriously when it's, when you've got, you know, things on the line, you mm. know, when you've got rent to pay and, and a family to support, um, you look at it differently, I think, as to when you go, you know, I li I had the uni lifestyle, but I just didn't go to uni at the time. I did all of the partying um, for years, you know, before going to settling down and then starting my degree, I was 24. So I was classed as a mature student. Right. Um, so yeah, tr I, I did treat my degree like a job, um, which gave me opportunities that other students on my course didn't have because I was really driven to, to kind of be the best on my course or try my best to be the best on my course. Yeah. You know, I had that competitive fight in me, whereas people around me were living that fun student lifestyle and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't interested. So um, it was good in that sense, focused. Yeah. Well, I, I studied philosophy at uni and I certainly didn't really have a, a desired outcome for it, but I was the other type of person where I just, 
it was more the uni life and, and pick a subject. But yeah, you could see there were people who were friends who were just knuckling down, just like, I need to get through this. And this is, this is a uh, time I need to invest. And I think, you know, there is a part of uni life that I think should be just culture and experience, mm. but I don't know. I think having a bit of a gap between your studies and then uni is a good idea. Go yeah. and live a little, you know, spend, go, go wild for a couple of years and then come back and do uni. I think that's definitely, um, in my mind, probably a better way to do it. Yeah, I absolutely agree. <laughs> Cause it's so expensive now as well. You might as well get something out of it. Yeah. Well, it's a massive financial uh, commitment. And if you don't really sure exactly what it is you want to do, especially what 18 or something like that, I've, I don't think a lot of people truly know what they want to do or very few people. So after leaving uni then, what was your first job in there? So I, I'd already dabbled with work during uni. I wanted to kind of build up um, a CV so that when I left university with a degree that I could already show I had some work experience. So I had done bits. I'd done the ferret um, as, as my first proper commercial project, which was just mental because I I'd only done a year of my degree, so that was really jumping in at the deep end. And I didn't do it for a lot of money at all, but it was some, you know, paid work. Um, But you just have to learn on the job. You you do even once you've graduated, don't you? You don't come out of a degree like as this fully formed professional. You just come out of a degree like ready to go for it. Yeah, ready to start. With some skill set, but you don't, you know. you do learn on the job, don't you? You know, regardless of probably what you do. Um, So having experience during my degree was great. Um, So yeah, the ferret was my first experience, which was, was fun. Um, Sorry, was that a big change what you did at the ferret? Was it when it all turned into kind of... Yeah, yeah. So I, I used to go in the ferret. I used to frequent the ferret, yeah, for, for band nights and just generally, you know, drinking and partying with friends. So I knew it really well, the way it was Mm. like kind of tatty, grotty pool table in the like weird conservatory bit. And, you know, it's the type of place that you couldn't remember what it looked like in the day. You could never imagine because it was always at night after a drink. Mm. And I remember getting like a call saying, oh, do you you fancy doing this work um, for for Jeremy who owns the, the ferret? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And I turned up and it's like really weird to see it in the daylight and take photos of it. Like I did not know that looked like that mm. or that that was there. Um, but yeah, that was the first kind of project I did. And it was, it was a, they wanted a pretty, you know, extensive refurb, but with a small budget. So mm. it was an, it was a nice challenge, um, but enjoyable. Learned a lot. <laughs> did learn quite a bit on that job. I imagine there's a, uh that's one of the sort of the, the things creative people come up against is people want a massive change for, for a small amount of money. Yeah, always. Um, but so what was after the ferret then? So after the ferret, I was still doing my degree, did some kind of as many live projects as I could on mostly unpaid work, um, but always jumping on any opportunity. And then when I graduated, I, um, did some freelance work, but then I, I went and worked in the architecture department at UCLan because a job position came up, um, doing kind of research and design work, quite interesting, um, learned quite a bit there, felt very formal and, and, you know, academic at that point. 
Um, but that was, that was only a fixed term contract. So then after that, I ended up going and working on plow full time for quite a while, which was just an amazing project, like kind of all consuming, you know, labor of love for everyone involved. Um, what was the, the initial outlook, outlook for plow then? Because it's, it's really sort of quintessential. It's, it's iconic really in the way it's done and, and, and the, how it sort of works into the building. Was that from the start how it was seen to be, or was this like a, an evolution of you, you found new places like the well and you thought, okay, let's pivot and make this. Definitely. I think, well, when Jeremy and Rebecca um, first approached me about the, fer- um, sorry about plow, um, it, they only owned the ground floor and they were, they were talking about a micro bar concept and, um, so that's when I first came on board doing a bit of freelance work on it though. And then it, it kind of, it took a while for them to kind of figure out what they wanted to do. They then, f- they knew they had a cellar, but they didn't know they had the vault. So then they started doing all these investigative, investigative works um, down in the vaults and found the well and, you know, all these crazy medieval kind of features that, um, that they now have in that building and just said, oh, we can we use this space so we've got structural engineers in and, um, you know, evaluate the space and the structure and it was, yeah, it was deemed safe to use. So it kind of just c- continued to grow. And then they, they managed to buy the first floor because that was actually a separate dwelling. And um, so they contacted the owner of that and managed to buy it and, and then owned the whole building. Nice. So the, the concept just evolved over time. Um, but I think with Plough, it is, it's special because it just wasn't a normal project. You know, everything about it was, it took, I worked on it full time for probably two years on and off. And you don't really get to do that on a project. Mm. You know, now if we get a project, it's right. I want this open in six months and you have to quote them and say how many days you can spend on it. Cause that's how you have to cost a project. Whereas with plow, I got real time to just kind of, consume myself in everything. Um, but Jeremy and Rebecca would just buy these, um, you know, random bits of furniture and lights and they'd come back from, you know, flea markets and salvage yards and be like, can you do something with this? Um, and sometimes I'd be like, uh, no, or <laughs> I'll try. And then other times, you know, you, well, you only have to walk in plow to see that, you know, the bar is built from old church panels and, yeah. you know, it was painstakingly, we went and salvaged all these panels and then they were chopped up and put back together and stained and French polished. And every little bit of it's got like a bit of a story or a back detail mm. to it. Um, Do you prefer that? Do you prefer it when things have stories? Yeah, I think that's what we we kind of do here at the Artistry House Interiors. I think w- what we want to do moving forwards and what we have done in, in any project we've worked on is we create narrative. So, you know, it, there's so much more to a project than just, I want it to look like this. Mm. But people don't always get that up with design. And I think it's about educating as well. You know, we, we have clients where we, we're constantly trying to, you know, say, well, this is the best way to do it. And we should be looking at this and this deserves the time Mm. and attention to really get the best out of it. And I think Plough, although a unique scenario, because you're not going to get two years full time on any other projects again. So it was a real experience. 
um, and learning on the job again, structural design, um, working with builders constantly, t- taking it from building site through to the very finished, you know, touches of lighting and paint and everything. Um, but yeah, I think in general, you only have to look at Plough to see how amazing it is and, and the success story behind it. Mm. Um, and if you can just take a pinch of that in every single project, then I think it would be really successful. Yeah. What is, um, I guess, one of the things that sets apart, one of the many things, architecture and interior design is that you're not just creating a piece of uh, artwork, like a painting where you can go and look at it and other people can look at it, you can read reviews, but you can also watch how people experience the space that you've created. What was it like sort of going into the plowers uh, uh, on a kind of Friday night out or something like that and walking in and seeing how people, like was there a sense of pride or kind of like it came to life? Yeah, I think after the, um, cause we had a couple of open evenings, we had like a soft opening and then, um, for like friends, family and people involved in the project. Um, and then the next night was the kind of public, like more people coming to see it, some press and stuff. Um, and I went to both and it was just, it was crazy. It felt really weird because we'd literally been, I was physically building stuff the day we opened, like right up, I went home in the afternoon to get ready to come back for drinks in the evening on the, on the soft opening night. We'd, I'd been helping paint and build the back bar and all sorts of stuff. So we literally were all hands on deck until we opened. So the transition between having my scruffs on doing that to a few hours later being in an open venue, it was mental. Yeah. yeah. But it's so cool. It's, and I love plow and it's so unique. And what I think one of the main concepts that, um, that we developed when working on it, um, myself and, and the team, the owners and the team is that we wanted it to be a journey. It was never going to be like a static space. It was always about, you know, offering this kind of exploration through the building and it, it lends itself to that. Obviously you can't do that in every building, but Again, it was building that narrative of these dark kind of historic little passageways that have all these, you know, weird and wonderful pictures and mirrors and, you know, just really sumptuous as well. You can sink into a corner and depending on your mood, you can, you can explore a different space. Mm. Um, and you know, plows still growing. There's, there's, there's always more to come with, with those guys and they're always looking to develop and, um, expand everything so yeah really interesting people yeah. and and venues and obviously they've got more going on now in Preston so yeah you know um it's great great to have people like that the uh I was well impressed they opened up the I think it's called Market Social or something Market yeah, Street Social Market Street yeah. Social yeah my sister and I went there in the, the night it had opened it was just great to see uh what's been great is during lockdown has been seeing businesses try yeah businesses you know putting seats outside or stuff like that, or the market social. Uh, oh, that was a really good night. Yeah, I bet. And I've not been yet to experience it as a customer, but I've been doing bits with them. I yeah. mean, to be fair, with with what they've done there so far, um, they've needed kind of little guidance. It's been quite an organic thing. They've just been building, you know, over the past past six months. Um, so I've been nipping in and out and helping them with, with you know, some of the spatial planning and stuff. Um but it's, it's just an amazing space, but it's, it's like anything you need amazing minds behind stuff because mm. you can, you could have bought that 
building and that property and that plot. But you have to have the the kind of creative um, genius mm. and, and madness um, and the balls to do it. And the, those guys at um, Plough and, and Market Street Social, Jeremy, Rebecca, Nicola and, and the team, they're all of those rolled into one. You know, they've got the madness, the creativeness and the balls to do it. So yeah. they'll, they'll keep going, <laughs> hopefully. What else have you worked on then? So after Plough? So after Plough, like I say, I'm still in contact with those guys and, and they're, they're a client and we'll, I'm sure we'll work together over, you know, over the years, I hope so anyway, as, as they keep um, kind of growing and buying more crazy venues and stuff. Um, but after Plough, I got to a point in my career where I thought I need to do something now because I was working in-house um, and Plough was completed. And as a creative, I kind of felt like... I need to keep moving now. This is my opportunity to to work off the back of Plough's success because, mm. um, you know, it was such a mammoth project. And I think sometimes, whether you're creative or not, you, sometimes it's difficult to stop and give yourself praise. And I, I'd struggle with that. So I thought, do you know what? I need to try to work and monopolise this kind of um, buzz around Plough Um and I was approached randomly by Andy on the opening night of Plough, Andy from Wash. Um, okay, yeah. I'd never met him before, knew of Wash, knew of the artistry house, um, you know, kind of this, I, w- I was getting myself into this circle of creatives that I hadn't been in yet. Um, but meeting more and more people, you kind of naturally just, you know, evolve into that kind of creative industry. Mm. Um, and Andy came up to me and was like, this place is amazing. Um, you need to come into the artistry house and meet my partner, my business partner, Lindsay. Um, she renovated the artistry house. We're really passionate about design and art and everything, you know, come in and have a chat. Um, so it took a few months to, to arrange it, but I did, I popped in and I sat around this very table with, with Andy and Lindsay and just chatted about, you know, what you're up to, what have you worked on and, you know, kind of voiced my opinion on kind of, the loneliness sometimes of being a creative in Preston and kind of craving that kind of family of creative people to be around. Cause I didn't have that at the time. Mm. Um, and I was kind of really feeling a little bit trapped. Like how do I go to that next step of my career? How can I get more plows, more projects like that? Um, and really since sitting with them around the table, we've just kind of grown this organic relationship, which has now obviously turned into the artistry house um, interiors and rise happened. (laughs) So I think one of the big things from, from Andy and Lindsay is that they, they're obviously creative and and managing director of wash studios. And they, they feel that there's just this gap between this amazing brand work that they can create and the actual physical space. Mm. So they were looking for designers to kind of collaborate with. So that's kind of how we first got chatting and they came to me with Rise and said, we've got these, these young guys, they're starting up this business. They've got all these amazing ideas, but they could do with a, a good interior designer. Do you fancy, you know, collaborating on it? Um, and it was our first project where I as freelance and, and Wash provided the brand and I provided the interior. And I think you can see from the outcome that it was a success. You mm. know, we enjoyed working on it. Um, we built an amazing relationship with the client who were now progressing into more, um, projects with, um, and rise is just 
you know, such a success. It's literally, you know, the poster child for starting a successful business and, and how investing in, you know, as two young guys starting, starting the first business, they put faith and investment into creating and developing a brand and an aesthetic and it's paid off for them so much. It's interesting because, um, I remember when the article came out, I think it was probably on blog Preston saying that there's going to be a new coffee shop in the Miller Arcade. And obviously the way the comments are on uh, their website and stuff, people saying as if we need a new coffee shop. And even to my mind, it seemed like we had quite a few coffee shops, but it's been so successful rise, you know, even though they were the sort of the, the last ones on the scene or at the time when they opened, how much of that is attributable to, to the branding and the aesthetic then? I mean, I think there's obviously, uh, as with the job I do, I think the space that you offer your customers is so important more than ever now and brand, obviously, you know, they go hand in hand. And I, I do think that that's what is going to stop people in the tracks. If they've not, if you're not doing the big social media thing, which mm. obviously, you know, that's what they've nailed. Rise have absolutely nailed the, the target market and the audience and the social media is incredible. And yeah, I think it is really, really important to invest and, and put a bit of worth towards how something looks, how a space feels. It's not just about how it looks. It's like when you walk in there, the, the brief from the client was, we want it to feel like barley sunshine. And I think when you walk into Rise, it really does feel mm-hmm. like that. And, you know, it's, it's an experience, um, as is the brand, you know, everything's just wrapped up in this lovely package. So it's given them a tool now, which they can just run with, you know, they can go as far as they like with this brand now, um, and keep creating and and evolving. And I know they, they kind of, they have that in, in mind. That's their plan. Um, but I also think credit has to go towards the people. And that's also what we like to focus on is that, our designs all based around, you know, we're not, we're not looking at a particular sector and saying, right, that's what we do. That's what we deliver. We deliver design for this. It's about the people and the attitudes they have. So it's about meeting that client and seeing, you know, they've got this incredible opportunity and idea and and brief and, you know, how can we reflect them Mm. in what they're trying to create? Because I think that's what people buy into you know, you could walk into a place that looks lovely, but if the people behind the bar or running the place have a negative attitude or mm. they don't, they're not, you know, engaging, it's probably not going to be great. There's, you remind me of two things. You remind me of a book by a guy called Rory Sutherland. He's that's CEO of Ogilvy Marketing. Do you know of him? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, he's like an eccentric marketing guy. But uh, he talks about the subjective experience of a lot of things, how instead of looking for objective reasons to add value, uh, how to make the trains faster, think about how to make them more enjoyable. So free Wi-Fi and stuff like that. And one of the things he says is even in a Michelin style, style restaurant, if one tine on the fork is missing, you can't enjoy that meal. Like there is a lot to be said for the subjective um, value as much as the objective. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I think it's, there's, I think it's all about timing as well. I think with, you know, maybe not as much with brand and web and, and, and social, you know, obviously that's a new kind of addition, newer addition to businesses, but it's so important. I think people get that, but I think with interior design and spatial design, often 
it's difficult trying to persuade people or, or convince people how important it is and that the money you put into it is actually, it's worth, you know, mm. it's, it's such an investment. And I almost feel like interior designs are a little bit dated in a lot of people's minds or, or kind of pigeonholed to maybe like wealthy people, wealthy residential. Um, but trying to convince people, business owners who've maybe done their own renovations over the years. Maybe they've got restaurants and bars that they've just done up themselves or, and, and, you know, managed, um, or, you know, any sort of kind of shop commercial space where they just get in a shop fitter to do the works. Um, you know, it's trying to get the word out there that actually you can get so much more, you know, obviously budget dependent, scale dependent, but if you just put that time and effort into creating uh, this kind of DNA, this um, aesthetic for the spaces that you inhabit, whether it is an office or, you know, a shop or a bar or, um, you know, a, a council building, bigger projects, you know, hotels. Um, if you just put the time and effort into that and the investment, it can really pay off. Mm. Because I think people now with social media and Instagram and Pinterest, everyone's a little bit of a designer. Everyone's a bit of a photographer. Mm. You know, it's everyone's throwing the hand at it, but the actual skill set to be able to deliver a commercial project with spatial um, layouts and interior architecture um, and all the needs you, you, that you have to have and the specifications for commercial space, it's, you know, it's pretty important that it's all delivered in, in you know, in a package. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just trying to get the word out there that, you know, look at these businesses and how they've done it and how successful it is. Um, well, everyone's very aware of how your website needs to be, look good. Mm-hmm. But then to, to fail to, to bring up your sort of interior of, of where the customer is actually going to experience your business or your service, it just seems, uh, it, I'm surprised there's, there is such a gap between interior design commercially specifically and branding. Yeah, definitely. I think it it does potentially get forgotten or pushed to one side. Um, But I think it's just about educating people, you know, that it's available. And the way that we work, we, like I've said, it's not about sector or project or it's about people. Let's sit down and have a conversation. That's where all our projects start. They start with a chat and a cup of tea or a coffee and we, you know, we just get to know the client and and the project and their needs. And we go from there and everything really, although we can offer kind of a structure and, and, and outline, you know, how we'd approach a project, it really is bespoke to every single client because each one is so different. Mm. Um, so yeah, we're kind of very against the kind of one size fits all approach. Yeah. Ikea model. Yeah. You know, we can't, we can't handle that. It's about, you know, responding to people, brand architecture, massively important. You know, we're, we're really passionate about spaces and buildings and, and renovating, you know, the existing or aiding with the new build and how that can have a bit more kind of personality and Mm. and soul. And, you know, we work through from property developers, new build um, developers through to, you know, clients with old buildings, heritage listed buildings, you know, Um, we really don't pigeonhole that. Um, It's, it's kind of broad in terms of our passion and interest. Um, Mm. Well, have you seen the Simon Sinek talk where he says, start with why? 
he has a, it's a, this uh, guru guy, but he has a talk and he says, take IBM. He says, we build powerful computers. We do this with the latest equipment. Would you like to buy one? Because they start with what and then how and then why. And he's Sam Sinek says, start with why. So take Apple. We believe in challenging the, the status quo. We believe in innovation. How do we do this? By building beautiful pieces of intuitive technology. Do you want to buy one? It, it's a completely different sales model, completely more captivating than, you know, well, we do this and it's that's how much it, it costs. Yeah, it's it's... It makes sense. And I think, you know, people are coming around to, to more and more to, you know, the idea of having that kind of experience with someone, because it is an experience, you know, as soon as you invest in a creative team, you become a little family, you know, it's mm. about working together to deliver. Um, and, uh, you know, yeah, you have to be, you have to kind of put your trust into that, that person or team, don't you, to offer you, um, you know, because often people have they've they've sweated over this brand absolutely grafted to get to where they are, yeah. And handing it over sometimes is really difficult. I bet. You know, sometimes some of our clients and, and clients that are in the horizon, you know, we meet and it's like they've absolutely you know worn the fingers down to the bone to build this this brand and the physical spaces, mm. and then they want some advice or help, and you come in and you're like you've got to trust me. You've got to trust yeah. me on this because, you know, we're doing it for the, for the better, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but again, that all comes through personality and, and, you know, building kind of a rapport with your client that's not sterile. You know, mm. it's not, that's why the artistry house works because as soon, as soon as someone walks in here, they just know it's a different vibe. You're not yeah. dealing with stuffy um, kind of office professionals, you know, you, you're dealing with people who, um, just want you to be comfortable as much as we do mm. um, on a day-to-day basis. And I think that helps, which also leads back into the environment and the interior and how it it does create such a different outlook. Mm. Because if the artistry house didn't feel like it did, you know, I think a lot of the meetings that we have would come out a lot differently, you know, the end result. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, it's almost like a, a selling point itself, um, when you have a client in to talk about an interior project. Yeah. Well, I start, we came to the Austria house when we started the podcast to say, can we record? Well, we, we had a look first and we're like, please let us record here because the interviews we'll get in this environment will be completely different than if we were in like a, you know, a boring room or an office room or even just a sound studio or something like that, completely black. You spoke about uh, social media before and I wanted to ask, uh, Rise is very Instagrammable. Does does the importance of social media now on brands and on businesses actually affect interior designs? So are people selecting for more Instagrammable styles? Yeah, I think some are very conscious of it. So like you said, Rise, you know, they, from the beginning, they wanted these, they wanted the connection. They knew that that was going to be a big part of their business model um, and they've absolutely nailed it. So when we were doing the design, I wanted to create these moments, these places where they're going to get the selfie. And, you know, it's not everyone's cup of tea. It's not my cup of tea in terms of, I don't go and necessarily take selfies in spaces, but it is part of the culture. It's part of the young culture. Mm. It's, it's engaging. They knew that was going to be a target market and they embraced it and they, they, you know, 
turned it into profit basically because people go there and they want to be seen in there and they want to take a picture and they want to post it. And whether it's in the toilet or um, next to the kind of green wall with the sign and or just upstairs having a coffee on the kind of pink upholstered benches, you know, there's always a moment where someone can um, kind of style a photo. And I think that was a massive, massive thing for the design scheme as we move forwards. But I'd say I have it in mind quite a lot, regardless of the client now, Um I think I, it always comes up in conversation. It's always something to consider, you know, um, how is this space going to work for you? Because I do think it's, if you nail your social media, it's it's free free advertising. You know, people, if someone's going to post a picture of themselves in your venue and yeah. tag you, and then they've got a load of followers and then it gets reposted or, you know, just the more and more people who are going to do that for you, the better. Mm. So are you investing in that space? once <laughs> can create this repetitive kind of publicity, can't it? And yeah, I do yeah. think it's important, especially in hospitality, I think more than ever and retail. Um, you know, there's other sectors that possibly don't need to rely on it as much, but it certainly should be considered mm. um, through, you know, throughout the design industry now. Um, just depends how how connected the client is. And sometimes people don't want it. You know, I'm not, I'm not interested in that. And then you have to kind of say, well, maybe. Are you customers? Exactly. Yeah. What does the customer want? What's, what's going to, what are they going to engage with? Mm. Um, and, you know, people just expect more now. They expect more because they see it so easily and readily, you know, you'll have to scroll through Instagram to see how amazing certain designs and spaces are or go on Pinterest or look on Dazine and, you know, it's just, there's, there isn't really a gap now for shoddy interiors. People just won't kind of accept it anymore. Mm. Um, and I do think it is, you know, there's so many empty units as well. When I walk around Preston, I'm thinking, you know, that could be incredible. And I, I could literally walk past and think that should be, you know, pizza and wine restaurant. That would be an amazing little, um, you know, interior shop. And, you know, it's, it is, it's just ready and waiting for more creative people to come in and say, right, this is my idea. And hopefully they'll knock on our door and we'll be able to help them with it. <laughs> is the one place in Preston you, you really would, you have your eye on and you'd love to renovate or change its purpose as well? There's loads of places. So there's, there's different kind of ends of the, the spectrum. So there's, there's kind of, I see places like, um, the building on the one that used to be fives and have cocktail factory. I forget what it's yeah. called now. It's uh, but they got the barbecue thing downstairs they do. now. But the, that building, I mean, me and Lindsay say all the time, um, it reminds of us of like a mini Liberties, you know, Liberties of London, mm. like the exterior, how it's almost got that kind of Tudor-esque style architecture and detail. Um, it would make an incredible kind of, multifunctional space, like a hybrid of retail. You could have high-end retail and um, little concessions of beautiful foods and and drink. And um, it could be just this amazing space of kind of um, hospitality, basically, yeah. experiential shopping. And um, that would be amazing. Um, there's the Institute of Art as well, um, around the corner, which is an amazing old building up for sale. And again, I just look at them and I think, well, they're going to end up just being more flats. And it's mm. such a shame because they could just be these, you know, little hubs of culture and um, 
but there's there's all sorts there's so much take your pick in Preston really at the minute there's Mm. loads of amazing little units and it doesn't have to be huge in scale to be something really cool well take rise as an example it's a corner unit exactly you know yeah and you know French connection units empty now I'm sure some Mm. um I've heard some rumors about different places taking up that space so hopefully it'll be a you know a bar and a restaurant we just need more we need more spaces that we can just enjoy you know and mm. bring more people into the city center because there's little glimpses of it like winkley street at the minute is feeling really good like because we're so close to it we walk through winkley street and they've got all the cafe tables and bar tables out and it's you could be in a different city it's like the little northern quarter of preston yeah but it's very tiny mm. and it's weird how i say you could be in another city because i feel like people myself included say that about preston all the time like when plow opened it's like it's just like something you'd find in London or this is, you know, like you'll walk down Winkley Street and say, oh, it feels just like you're in, I don't know, like a little lane in Brighton or, mm. you know, for instance, you could say anything, but people are always daydreaming that they're somewhere else, but it'd be nice for people to just be like, oh, Preston's really cool. You know, instead of always mentioning how it could be somewhere else. Yeah. Like, why can't Preston just be really great? Well, perception's reality. So it, all you need to do is have people... Just yeah. act as though it is and yeah. start opening places. Exactly. And I do think, you know, obviously it's been a really tough year for mm. everyone um, over the past year and, and you know, this year as well. Um, but I do hope that at the end of this, we're going to get a little flurry of people kind of thinking, right, this is my chance now. Yeah. Fresh start. Um, so yeah, we really, really want to get the word out, you know, cause I think we've been quite quiet as a design, obviously the artistry house is known, Wash has got, you know, such a name for itself. So the artistry house interiors really, we haven't pushed it out there much yet. So we've just been really kind of focusing internally on figuring out who we are and what we can do. And, um, really we, we want to just get our name out there and start meeting with some interesting people and, and helping, you know, mm. getting some cool buildings and start. Well, we could definitely do with more rises and more plows yeah, and more ferrets for that yeah, matter yeah. as well. Yeah. We just need people back in them now, don't we? Yeah. Well, they've, they've flooded in since the uh, pubs open and everything like that. This town's been a lot busier and shops and stuff. Yeah. So hopefully, and we'll have a bit more of a, a brighter future than the last year. Definitely. I know it's, it's much needed now, isn't it? I think everyone's at the it's point, time. but it'd be nice. You know, it's a good time to, to pop up with some, a new kind of offering, I think, because mm. people have been away for so long now from the town centre. I think if people can start, you know, taking over these empty units and it doesn't have to be a historical building to be amazing, mm. you know, it could be a newer unit. Um, I just think it's having that vision and if you don't have a clear vision, investing in the people who can help, I think that's, but people don't necessarily know it's out there. I think, you know, if you were to Google interior design in Preston, it probably bring you up with a lot of residential options, mm. but I think there isn't really a, a commercial design studio for interiors in Preston that, that we know of really. Um, so I think it's just letting people know that there's help out there. And it doesn't matter if it's a, you know, a larger project or, you know, just an individual opening up something small and mm. um, like a little micro unit or whatever, it still deserves to have that kind of on street presence and, um, and good brand. So yeah, hopefully. Are we going to see any more of your 
designs appear on the high street. Have you got any new projects we do. coming we, in? Yeah, we have some, we have a few clients ongoing at the minute um, and some interesting projects, but very varied, you know, and not just in Preston. Um, you know, we're branching out into different areas um, around Lancashire and, and in other counties at the minute, um, which is interesting. Uh, it'd be nice to start spreading out, but I think we are, I think our passion does lie in, in the city centre. Obviously we're located in the city centre and we eat and drink and socialise here mm. as well. So everything we do, we're like, oh, we need some better, better places to go. And there yeah. is some really amazing places, don't get me wrong. Um, and there's no bigger kind of um, advocates of, of Preston City than us because we're all, you know, locals and passionate about this you know, where we live. But yeah, I think hopefully you'll see some stuff cropping up. Um, we just need, like I say, some some more people who have got the balls to kind of do something different as well, you know, in the city centre because there's loads of opportunity now, I think. Yeah. Um, so, and we, we always say, oh, we wish we could do it ourselves. I'll always, I'll see a unit, I'll be like, I wish I could do that. <sighs> myself just so. give me the whole city yeah and, uh, i'll do it all out i think first thing pizza and wine that's what i want i want a really good pizza and wine restaurant of some sort mm. close by ideally um so we can just spend lunch time there that'd be great <laughs> but yeah good rose it's been a pleasure yeah thanks for talking to me you're welcome it's been amazing thank you without <laughs>